0: Why the hell not? Why don't, let's, let's do it. Oh, right
1: here. Exactly. We ain't got shit to do.
0: This is very true. For once in a long time, certainly for like, I can't remember the last time I just had an evening where I was not dead tired and was actually just quite happy to sit down and, and have a chat. Yeah, I have had a couple
1: weeks or a couple of nights the last two weeks where I just didn't have shit to do and I just, I really don't know what to do with myself. I mean, um, i got a lot of distractions. i got guitars and cooking shit, and I like <laughs> TVs and video games, and I didn't want to do any of that.
0: Yeah, and Em's is in California at the moment, so she's there for two weeks. Uh, my Our usual routine of coming home and cooking and spending time together is, is not there, plus a bunch of stuff at work. I, I'm just in a, in a bit of a lull for a few days, and it's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, me too. I had an election
0: yesterday. Oh, how'd it go?
1: Yeah. Uh, in a 12-way primary, my guy got 43% of the vote.
0: that That's I'm going to call solid. That's a yeah. very, very respectable performance.
1: So theoretically, there's a runoff in eight weeks, but it's entirely possible that the guy who finished second drops out because mm-hmm. he got 22.
0: Yep, they're well, going to go ahead and spend a whole lot of money and might still only get 22. Yep. So that's a, that's a case in point. So, anyway, let's kick things off. So, welcome to the Modern Dandy's Guide to Manliness. I'm not Wes, as you can tell. I'm Liam. Uh, Wes and Josh both uh, had work events that interrupted their ability to participate. So, Mudcat and I, being at a loose end, as you may just have heard, uh, getting together to chat about, well, actually, we can actually get back to some of the real origins of where the Modern Dandy and the idea for this podcast came from, which is something that Mudcat and I started talking about. That must be like six years ago.
1: Yeah, it's been a hard minute.
0: And I know we've mentioned this before, but I think it's it's really relevant, the, the particularly relevant now, that you know over that time we've tried to find a way to express a different viewpoint to, I think, a lot of what comes out and share not just our learnings to try and tell people what to do, but just so that people could learn from things that, we have lessons that we've learned and acted upon, and then things that we've done really badly, and hope that other people don't do the same.
1: Yeah, definitely a bunch of that. Um, I like to consider <laughs> myself the the poster boy for "Don't do this the way I did it. Do as I say, not as I did." Is probably you know the best piece of advice that I can give anybody.
0: And I think one of the things that that you know, we both shared is we both spent quite a bit of time a few years ago working with. Uh, an organisation that looked to develop young entrepreneurs and leaders to go back out to their communities, and I think both you and I were somewhat frustrated by the behaviour that we saw and the the lack of any direction, in the case being given to to people on some pretty foundational human issues. You know, there was a lot of talk about policy and and you know, big hand, small map stuff and. And and a lot of, I think, touting of ethos and, and issues and so forth, but much less being put on being a good person and and being fair and respectful of others as opposed to simply trying to get your way. Um certainly that was that was kind of my feeling about where it ended up being and, and, and one of the main reasons why I left that organization. I think, you know, our discussions were about there was no counterpoint. And that's what we've We've tried to do also style and fashion and, and behavior all go together.
1: Well, yeah, I think those things are part and parcel. I think it is natural and, and probably good for people to to be ambitious, to want things. And, you know, whether that's, you know, a promotion, a better relationship, you know, a better lifestyle, a, ambition built the Western world. I, I still believe that. You know, to what good end we see in the paper. But it's one thing to say, oh, I want things, I'm entitled to them. It's a different thing to say, I want things, I want to be the kind of person who has those things. I want to have some, you know, ability to realize my goals and ambitions. When you can't do that, when you can't be the person you want to be or have the things you want to have. And then for me, it always starts with things. It's easier to start with the material thing and work backwards. When you're frustrated about that, you start to make dumb decisions and you start to hurt other people. So, yeah, you know. I think
0: that, that's where it, it ambition strays over into a bit of a catchphrase at the moment, toxicity.
1: Yeah.
0: And a lot of that, you know, and I agree, I think frustration And it certainly is with me. Frustration is the most destructive emotion, more so than anger, more so than just about anything else. It's like frustration creates an energy that just inspires bad decisions. And I have suffered from that myself, going back to your point about don't do a bunch of the things that I did because they were just enormously self-destructive but they were driven by frustration not by anger or hatred or fear or any of those things it was driven by just a oh why is this not working out you know why is why are things standing in my way and not being able to see a path forward and and I, I don't think that's talked about enough. I think people, people love jumping on, on on the fear and hate. As I said a couple of episodes back, if, if if someone is saying something and you're watching something or reading something and it's generating an emotion in you that's against another person, you are being played. And frustration gets played a lot as well as a card. But it's also an intensely personal thing. So it, it's not necessarily – well, often it's not rational.
1: Oh, no. The the things that we want are not rational, right? I mean, it, it, the shitty thing about being a human is that you show up without an instruction manual, without being invited, <laughs> or all you get is, you know, want. You show up, mm-hmm. you want things, and you don't have any way forward. Um, I've talked about, a couple times, I think, on the show, the idea that originally started this was just like a, a grooming guide. Mm-hmm. Just... Small things that you can do: hair care, skin care, to, and you know, fashion. To you know, start to realize yourself. You know, if if there's the theme to the show, it's you know how to become a better realized person. How to make yourself. It can start with really small stuff.
0: Yeah, and and my point, and so for all those people that that think that you know, not brushing your teeth or not wiping your ass properly is is a, is a form of self expression. Uh, don't do that. I think the point there that I, I, and you and I have talked about this a lot, is this is all a form of asserting some control over your environment. It's a control over yourself and in person and your person, uh, your presentation that, that allows you to not end up just reacting to things, but instead be responsive to it. If you're controlling small things about yourself, you start to control the bigger things about yourself you can then start exerting control on a much wider part of your environment, but also ignore the things or just be aware of the things that you can't control. And a lot of people I know get frustrated because there are these big things that they can't control, but they feel that they have to because they feel that that is what is stressing them. And in reality it's actually probably a whole bunch of smaller things that they can control, but are just difficult to deal with.
1: Some of them are difficult. Uh, You know, When we talk about careers and we talk about money, you know, some of that shit's complicated, right? Like, you know, if you've got 10 grand on a 20% interest credit card, yeah, that shit's complicated. It's hard to deal with. It takes time. But if the goal is, you know, I'd like to be, I would like for more people to find me more attractive. Well, you know, some of that's pretty easy to max out.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think it's the, You pick what you can change and you pick your goal. I know we've talked about this. It's like, have some goals, have an ethos, have something you actually believe in, not just that you're being fed and then follow through on it. Don't just throw it against the wall wall sometimes the first time somebody challenges you on it. I think one of the really interesting aspects of, of the show has been, we don't necessarily all agree with each other, but we respect each other's opinions. And obviously we had, Young guy, send us a send us an email from Germany. Uh, hello, uh, Matthias. Uh, hope you're doing well. I, I had a couple of other people who are, who are very different to us in in terms of our, our sort of general background, who've listened to some of the episodes, um, and uh, and came back and said, "Well, you guys are kind of really thoughtful." I said, "Well, that's the point. You know, it doesn't take a lot to just be to be thoughtful and to be considerate, and particularly today in today's era." And you know, we just talked about men being lost. I, I like Wes's joke, you know, it's because we don't ask for directions. You know, asking for directions is not a dumb thing to do. It is not a non manly thing to do. It is it is a way to be successful and it's a way to be happy.
1: Yeah, I don't understand and I, I, I kind of made this point when we were having that episode, but you gotta have some old dudes. You gotta have a map, you gotta have somebody that you can ask for directions. Like you You were not born with an instruction manual. You got to look around to the people around you who have the life that you want, who do things that you like, who, you know, you aspire to be like and who inspire you and like be close to those people because those are the people who know how shit happens. I, I hope it is, you know, my sincerest hope for this effort that, People discover this who are looking for somebody to look up to who don't know how to become who they want to be, and they find this.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, if you don't have anybody else, there's four dudes who've got this random podcast that will tell you how to (laughs) hopefully get your shit together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so so email us at themoderndandy.life if you have any questions. Uh we will reply, we reserve the right to reply with a reverent whimsy. Um and I think going back to I said, you know, the discussion that we had, why does it take it so long to get here? You and I could never really we work out format. And we were busy. Uh, that we had more than one discussion. It's just like who really wants to listen to us anyway? But uh Yeah, my big
1: reticence about it, there there were two parts of this. One, we were talking about um like you said, who the hell wants to listen to us? Um, and then you know, but you and I have had a couple of conversations where, at the end of the evening, we look back and said, "Damn, we wish we'd gotten that on tape." The you know, the stuff itself is valu- valuable enough. the The other part of it is, you know, it's hard for me to feel qualified to to talk in any way about you know, character and morality and you know, how to treat other people, because God knows I've had my own lapses in those arenas. And so it's taken, you know, more than a little bit of time, actually, you know, kind of getting to the necessity of something like this in the culture. At least there being some avenue for pushback against the talk, the the constant stream of toxic bullshit that gets put out into the world. It's really taken that kind of urgency to get me over my own hangups about it. Uh, also, you literally showed up in my backyard and set up a microphone.
0: That that's true. I I, I did do a pod ambush. Yeah, um, and uh, also with bourbon, just just to try and seal the deal, so you couldn't run away. That was pretty um, nice. It was also a <laughs> cocktail. But I brought my own shrimp <laughs> cocktail. Uh, you did bring your own shrimp cocktail, and 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 I think a, a bottle of Willits died that day. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to like the second and third episode <laughs> where we're like a more than a little bit. Tipsy, and uh, and you'll see what you'll see what we mean. See where this whole show started off. I think your point about it is like none of us are perfect. We're not here to try and lecture people on on the the best way to live or tell people how to make decisions about their lives. Because I'm, I'm with you on that. Is that I am in no way a, a, a saint or a, a perfect model of a human being. There are certainly things that I've done that I look back and like deeply regret but I did learn from them and I really did try not to repeat them. And if I see other people doing the same kind of things, I often do try and intervene in a quieter way as possible too, or whatever way possible too, to sort of bring them back on track. And, you know, I think that, but that's just part of, you're going back to it when I when you said that, you know, I'd, I'd used, you know, 120 SAT words to describe generosity. I, 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 th- I think there's that humanity and that empathy that we all need to have even more now. I had dinner the other night with uh, with someone who is was, who was very different on the political spectrum, and was was like probing and 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 talking about things that they believe in. It didn't stop me from trying to find a common ground where we could agree, because once you get that far, then you get off that defensiveness and start saying, well, actually, fundamentally. Now, there are a lot of things we do agree on. Okay, well, let's work on some of these things around the edges, rather than jumping in and like going, "Well, no, on this one issue, you're just completely wrong," and and therefore you know you're jumping straight into conflict.
1: Yeah, this is actually something I'm struggling with a lot. I mean, it, it's something that's started to influence a lot of dynamics in my life. There are people who have differences in political opinions, and therefore differences in values that it's become very difficult for me not to be dismissive of of those people, just outright.
0: And, And it depends on how it's presented. If someone comes in going, my way is the right way and everyone else is stupid, as opposed to going, these are things that are very important to me. Those are two very different starting points. And I think there's a, there's a tendency and it's being actively promoted through just about everything you see and hear on any form of of media or platform or even in the public forum that you have to start off with how you feel about something and why your viewpoint is the best rather than about why something is important to you. And those may be nuances and they may be subtle nuances, but they're very important ones. One is creating conflict almost immediately and the other... Is allowing a room for a discussion for someone to say, "Well, I appreciate that that's important to you, but this is important to me." This does not go down by the way to when you're sort of imposing your viewpoint and someone is just like going, "Oh, date raping someone's really important to me." It's like, uh-uh, you know, no, this is like wrong, yeah, criminal behavior. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, this is a big thing for me lately. Is just that there are laws, and we should follow the laws and enforce the laws. <laughs> And that seems like a weird thing to both feel strongly about and to have to advocate for.
0: <laughs> I was about to say, there are laws. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah,
1: it's it's become like a, a big part of my, even my professional life, just to say, well, when these things happen, these are the processes that get triggered, All right, Like, there's supposed to be interventions. There's supposed to be, you know... Reviews, they're supposed to be, you know, the punishments meted out if somebody's in violation. And it's odd, right? Like the, the, the idea that this is a controversial notion just like does not compute in my brain. But to go back to the value question, like i actually just workshop this conversation and relationship. Somebody who I'm close to not long ago started making the argument that being white was supposed to produce social privilege, that it was better, that people who, and this was the language that they used, couldn't pass a paper bag test. Somebody who was darker than a paper bag should not and could not enjoy all the privileges of being an American. And well, that's just some racist bullshit. And I don't know how to t- deal with that in any other way than to say, well,
0: that's some racist bullshit. Uh, I'm just going to say is that I think what you're talking about here is kind of a black and white issue joke. Couldn't help it. <laughs> um, no,
1: <laughs> Leon, it's brown
0: paper bag <laughs> issue. <laughs> so, the brown, so the brown paper bag issue is, is, an, is a new one to me. Yeah. Um, but I, I, but I agree right. with you. That, that is that is just that that is that is, and a lot of what we're seeing is like undermining people's rights. No, who cares if someone's gay? Uh, you shouldn't be being fired for that. Are you, are you good at your job or not? You know, are you are they competent at what they do? You know, why are you imposing the false standards on 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 people? Because um, that starts to become a slippery slope. Because then they're going to say, well, we're going to exclude Catholics. You made this Um,
1: argument when we were talking about the Harvey Weinstein thing, when the Me Too movement, like the day it started, we were talking about this, and you made the argument then that if you make sex a condition of employment, what you're actually doing is distorting the market and eliminating both good actors and your ability to make good product in addition to being a bastard.
0: Yeah. And it's it's the you know it just takes one person who's ambitious and decides to use sex as a bargaining chip to then on the other side make the person that's accepted that bargaining chip say well this person did it therefore everyone else should do it and and I think the the um, the analogy I used for you would be it was like if you wanted to go and play poker and the pit boss said. You can play poker, and you're a good poker player, but first you have to suck my dick. It's got nothing to do with you being a good poker player. It's simply creating uh, a a a barrier to entry. You say, "Well, the last guy that wanted to play poker sucked my dick. Therefore, you can you have to suck suck the dick to play poker." And and that's what becomes a distorting. Element. If you'd ever
1: seen a card room or a pit boss or the average poker table, (laughs) like this is all just horrifying. No, 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 none of
0: that. (laughs) And that's exactly the point. And so for the whole casting couch thing, that is how. And you've seen Harvey Weinstein, right? right. And and, that is exactly how horrifying it is. Is that you want to come there and be an actor? And instead you're being told that first you have to do something you don't want to do simply to gratify this person because maybe one person at some point elected to do that and, and that then created an expectation. And also there was no sense of penalty. Well, everybody does it, therefore it's perfectly okay. And that is not an all right thing in any way, shape or form. It's got nothing to do with what they're really there for. So yes, and that is that is exactly the mindset. Is that if you see that, if you if you're experiencing it, if I if I even have a sniff of any of that amongst any of my staff or employees, it, there is a
1: well, Jesus Christ! I mean, first of all, it's outright criminal, right? Yes. Two, it's the sort of crime. Let's be clear. My position on crime very nuanced, right? Like. Some things that are crimes are not crimes. The like the, there are things and there are times and places in which you know, like public drunkenness is just a good time, relax. The that's, <laughs> that's not hurting anybody. The not all crimes are crimes, but then there's like the crimes that you're talking about. When we're talking about you know blackmail, sexual assault, rape, all of the things that have been intimated in these conversations. First of all they're very illegal. Second of all, you don't do those things unless you're a real bastard. And mm-hmm. like people who are who are going to be invested in you and produce positive results and bring good things into your life are not people who do that. People who do that are extractive people and you got to watch out for extractive people. And it's also just a giant liability for your organization. It was a giant liability for your organization in 2007, much less 2017, 2019.
0: And Mm. it's just, God, it's dumb. Yeah, exactly. It's criminal. It's immoral. It's counterproductive. And the part that annoys me is, and I'm I'm looking back about 20 years when there was a lot of the uh, no-victim so- so-called like, sexual assault, oh, you couldn't prove anything, everyone was drunk, da 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 uh, in, in various industries in London, in, in financial services and consulting, and and the defence of some of the people being, oh, that person, but they're such a rainmaker. You know, this is the Weinstein, we call the Weinstein defence now. Oh, but he's so good at what he does, you know, he gets a pass. Or the Michael Vick defence, you know. These are immoral, illegal activities, and then somehow – because they're making one person or some person or some group of people a lot of money, or, you know, they, they come from a position of material superiority, Um, you know, the entire Catholic church and a whole bunch of evangelical preachers, um, evangelical preachers combined church and making people a whole bunch of money uh, that they're, that they're supposed to be given a pass, that we're supposed to treat them with a lower ethical, moral, and legal standard because of that, inverted commas, special tan- talent. There is lots of talent out there. There is more talent out there than we get to realise, and we should be putting these people in the dustbin of history and allowing that talent to come through rather than preserving it because of some mythology about them being the next effing Einstein. That's my soapbox. Yeah.
1: I mean, part of the reason we haven't found a lot of the talent is because it's in communities that we've intentionally downplayed, like women, people of colour, et cetera.
0: And, and I think the, I mean, the part of that is that going, if this whole global rebellion, oh, okay, I get to soapbox on my macroeconomics viewpoint again. The whole problem, and this is not new, the problem with capitalism is not capitalism. The problem with capitalism has been the stifling of competition. And the stifling of competition means that there's been no incentive to really find the truly talented. You know, it's being assumed that the truly talented are coming through moron factories like um, well, the Ivy League, and uh, I know there's a whole bunch of people out there that to really reject to get, re- rebel against that, but blame me. I have to hire you guys. The the stifling of the ability to move between economic classes and the U.S. has one of the most immobile and fixed economic class systems in the world, certainly in the OECD. It is incredibly difficult for people who are born into one economic status to move into another, in fact, just the opposite is happening. More people, particularly if you come from a, from a minority, more people are falling out and down the the economic ladder than are going up the economic ladder, and and that's what's causing the, the 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 dismay and and the rejection of both democracy and capitalism, is that you have effective monopolies and oligopolies and things like this that are effectively saying we're choosing not to com- compete because competing is expensive so rather than compete for talent and product and those kind of things we're simply going to make a small group of people very rich and hope for the best yeah it doesn't it doesn't bode well if anyone with even a modicum of history knows that that model doesn't last so
1: i'm interested in your take on this because i am having a hard time
0: finding an
1: analog in history to our sort of current economic state in which there's both lots of loose cheap money and Mm. incumbents have been so entrenched. And you're calling this monopoly oligarchy in my head. When I, when I have this fight with myself and others, I, I call it incumbents, right? It's, it's people who, who, as you say, are blocking off competition
0: yeah. And, and Schumpeter's rule of of every monopoly contains the seeds of its own destruction is, is being stifled by, as you said, the loose cash. So it's a very distorted environment. But the loose cash isn't, you know, if you were being sensible, you would be spreading some of that wealth around so that people could consume more effectively. And we're seeing globally a contraction in that consumption. Um, I love the story of the union leader who went to a Ford plant and the, and the Ford guy was was uh, pointing at the new robots that were building the cars and going, well, how are you going to unionize those? And the unionist turned to him and said, well, how are you going to get them to buy Fords? If there's no consumption, you know, there is consumption is constrained, which is what we're seeing with the millennial generation, with their amount of debt, their ability to be able to consume things that are good for the economy, as opposed to plowing money back into an education that was vastly overpriced for its lifetime value um, has has constrained their ability to be, you know, inverted commas, good consumers and, and to invest in things like houses and themselves and families and having kids because they're absolutely stifled under these, to me, even to this day, you know, unbelievable amounts of debt. Yeah. And I would not know what to do. In, in And I I, th- I think there's a lot of people out there who are making good decisions, millennials, young people out there, who are making good decisions in a bad situation about what they prioritize. And I think they're being given a, a absolute short shrift for, for doing that because I think back to the age that they're at and the amount of debt that I had at that point versus the debt that they're currently. carrying now and i just go holy crap and i don't think people are doing that i I think but it's going back to your point it's a stifling effect on the overall economy and it's an enormous risk and this sloshing money you know there's so much dumb money looking for a place to show its returns to the top one percent that you know we're getting you know bitcoin and Hyped up valuations on things that have no this competitive differentiation. The WeWork IPO
1: is going to be WeWork, bad. Yeah. fantastic. I'm super excited about it.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, they're basically going into becoming a, a property management company, which puts them, you know, on a highly overvalued, highly over leveraged situation against people like CBRE and other, other people yeah. who already have significant real estate holdings.
1: In case you can't tell through the microphone, my sarcasm about. The valuation of WeWork, which they're just wildly overpriced. I mean, like they're not providing any, they're, they're selling subscription stuff as a service in an area or marketing something as stuff as service in an arena that's already defined. There are already hundreds of companies that lease office spaces. Like WeWork hasn't figured out how to do it proper, how to do it profitably.
0: But absolutely. Yeah, they, and they the a billion-dollar the valuation or, you know,
1: it's much higher than that. It's just
0: comical. Oh, it's, it's in, it, I can't remember how much the valuation was, but, um, I mean, Uber's the other one, is that Uber has not got, you know, they went for the blitz scale thing, the whole we're going to become the monopoly and that'll allow us to raise all our prices um and then lift through a spanner in those works and so they tried all the dirty tricks under the sun to still try and blitz scale and ignored laws and 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 uh you know set up shop in places and then got regulated down and and so on but they're still burning well you know even with the the ipo costs you know they were 5.2 billion dollars in the hole last quarter and and there there's another effect which is that over the course of the 10 years that they've been in operation the barrier to entry for setting up a ride-sharing app has, has gone from, you know, if, if you were to put it in, say, it used to be $1,000 to do the coding, it's now down to a dollar to do the coding to build the kind of app that can directly compete with Uber, which actually opens it up for, say... Regionalized local companies, people who are going to run it as a nonprofit, people who are going to run it as an ethical, employee-owned organization. And what would you prefer to work for? And so, at the moment, they've got a brand. They've got certainly got name recognition. I don't necessarily think they've got a lot of loyalty amongst their customer base. No, there's not a bunch. So, there's no
1: loyalty among the customers or the drivers. They all have Uber, Lyft, and Taxi Magic at the same time.
0: Yeah, and. Uh, uh, so it, it's you, these are these are companies that have no economic model, so they shouldn't be held up as a paradigm of, of virtuosity. Um,
1: yeah, and I don't fact, understand it, it, why they why they haven't failed. Right? Why were they allowed to IPO? Why are, Why are investors still pumping money into this when you've got as many holes in your business model as Uber and Lyft? Why are people still playing playing
0: the game? Like there's no return. Because here. they 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 all they want to be is not be the last person standing when the music stops playing. And and to me, it's literally that cynical, is that there are the early investors wanting to cash out. So the IPO is a great way for them to get that off their books and pass all of that risk on to a new group of shareholders who have far less power. Uh, and are taking far less risk. So you invested in Uber back in the day, you plowed in all the billions into its war chest. You're now basically taking a hell of a lot of that back out again and, and saying, okay, you know, I've made my 100, 200, 500%. Let some other sucker deal with it when it goes down the tubes. And that's going to be the WeWork thing as well. And it goes back to your point about stupid money or this loose money, this money is sloshing around the system looking for a return. Is that people are trying to get in and then pick when to get out before it all falls over. And and this is a global thing. I talked to some of my friends in London uh, and some of my friends in Australia and and they're all saying the same thing. It's not we don't you don't know how long it's going to last. Um, I, I think it's really pretty desperate when like in the US a lot of the policymakers are going, but look at Australia. Australia's had continued economic growth for 22 years and has never had a recession in that time. Yeah, we had a doozy of a recession in the early 90s because I graduated into it, um, and then all the rest of it has been based off selling stuff to China, um, which doesn't seem like a really good strategy for the US at the moment. Also, Australia is tiny, it's 24 million people, and a decent size. We don't that economy,
1: many people in New York City and LA. LA.
0: Exactly. I mean, it, it, it's Australia is. I mean. Australia has the same population as Mexico City. Arguable, where the food is better. Um,
1: Having never been, never been to either
0: one of those places, I would take my
1: bets with Mexico City. Just saying, <laughs> you're you're too close to the old British. I understand that London's a hot spot now, but
0: <laughs> yeah, but, but it could be a good property market at about on about um, uh, November th- or October thirty first.
1: Um, hashtag Brexit. That's
0: a <laughs> whole different ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one. It wait, had wait. never
1: actually occurred to me. Hey, there's something we'd like to do, but uh, the government won't let us. Can you just cancel the government for a couple of days? Like that had never occurred to me.
0: It's the whole thing is if if. And then this, it's like Kevin Spacey notwithstanding. If, and like House of Cards was originally a British TV show and it made much more sense in Britain because yeah, of the way that the parliamentary system yeah. works. Um,
1: the presidential and it was back the in the 80s. They do in that show. I couldn't
0: watch that show. Yeah, and, and exactly. It's like completely there's nothing to do with the way the US works. Um, however, if, if, if you'd made a House of Cards and had the whole Brexit storyline running through it, no one would have believed no. it. No! Um, yeah. Can I
1: call the Queen and have her cancel the government?
0: Only for a time. They're only going on recess. It's a bit like kindergarten. Um,
1: But they've got big plans for recess. They're going to redecorate the whole classroom.
0: Actually, what they're going to do is they're going to burn the school down, and when you come back, you have to work in the cornfields. Reopen the coal mines, I say. Reopen the coal mines. Jesus. Um, It's – if my friend david is listening um, hit me up dude i want to know what's going on yeah so this is this has been this has been the southerners episode which is how it's going to go <laughs> up on the on the list um yes so we kind of just petered out there so so um and uh so we we're coming up. It's probably been a half-hour show, Mudcat. I think we've ranged through well, a few so topics. I think
1: uh, we probably should have picked one and made a show. We could have talked about, like, the origins of this and, you know, the, you know, how we got to where we are. There was, you know, a bit about the important parts of making yourself and making decisions about that. And then there was what do you think about the current state of the economy? And either one of those could have been a show.
0: So I guess on on that note, albeit I'd be happy just to stay on talking, but I think we should bring the show to a close. At least uh, give, give <laughs> Wes some,
1: you know, starting and stopping.
0: <laughs> so, so hopefully next time for, for all of you listeners as well, that Wes will be back doing his much more polished version of, of hosting the show. and uh, And Josh will also be joining us with his carefully considered and bearded viewpoint.
1: You guys really
0: um, have not see this beard. You guys beard. do. Um, you can check it out on on Instagram. You can get a, you can get a an idea of the beard. Uh, I actually have a. Uh, unfortunately, I run that, so I've got a bunch of stuff I need to post up that'll give you a better idea of us as people. Um, Mudcat, I've I've heavily photoshopped yours and mine just so that we we look slightly less troll like in compar- comparison to yours. Yeah,
1: ways.
0: Jesus, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> yes, he's very
1: pretty.
0: He's very pretty. And, and skinny. It's so yeah. annoying. Thank you very much for listening. Stay tuned. If you really do want to get in touch with us, we appreciate any feedback. We'd love to have some uh, of you all on the show. Uh, so email us at themoderndandy.life, And um, when we can be bothered, we'll get back to talking to you. Thanks, everybody.